And we've been talking through our vision. We're in a series called Culture Shift. This is our last week. And so our vision is upward, outward, forward. Upward being that we want every person that walks through the doors of this church to grow spiritually, to grow closer to Jesus and become more like Jesus. Outward being that we are going to go out into our community. We talked about this last week, that we are called to preach the gospel, not just preaching up on a stage or preaching with a megaphone or anything like that, but that we are called to preach the gospel by sharing our faith, by setting the example, and by serving those out in our community. And today we're going to talk about the forward piece of our vision. The forward piece of our vision is that we are going to invest in the future of our church. We're not just here for today. We're not just trying to have a great time today or be effective in ministry today, but we are going to invest in future generations. And I'm so thankful um, in a time that it seems like, you know, things got put on hold for a better. It seemed like we were kind of lost or wandering around in this pandemic in this, I'm so, thank, I'm so thankful that we serve a God that's a way maker. And I, I just want to say before we jump into God's word that I believe, I know that God is making a way and that God's kingdom is not on the defensive, that God's kingdom is not on the decline, but God's kingdom is growing and that God's kingdom is continuing to work right here in our church, in our lives. And so we want to be faithful to that. Um, The series is called Culture Shift. So the idea here is that in order for us to see our vision fulfilled, we need a culture shift. If we keep doing what we've been doing, if we keep going down the same road, nothing will change. In fact, I would even say that a little more strongly, that if we continue to do the same things we always have, what we've seen is that when churches aren't focused on what God is wanting us to do, if churches aren't focused on the new thing, we talked about in the first week, Isaiah and and his calling that God is doing a new thing. If we're too caught up in what we've always done and we're not open, our hearts and our minds aren't open to the new thing that God wants to do, it's not just that we'll stay the same. But what we see all over our country is churches that are in decline because they're not sensing the call to spread the kingdom. They're not seeing the new thing that God is doing. So there has to be a culture shift. That's not to say that anything before is bad, but that's to say that God wants to do a new thing and we want to shift who we are and what we do to make sure that we're faithful to build his kingdom. So what is the culture shift with forward? We had a team that met for months, for six or seven months, and through that time, we spent time trying to figure out what does it look like for us to live out our vision in the next three to five years. And one of the things, when we got to the forward piece of our vision, the thing that we overwhelmingly felt is that we needed to work very hard and intentionally to develop a leadership culture. Let me explain what I mean by a leadership culture. It's one thing to have great leaders in a church. It's one thing to have great people who are up front, people who teach, people who lead in different areas. But it's a whole nother thing to develop and raise up new leaders. We don't want to be a church that just has great leaders. We want to be a church that's constantly raising up new leaders, bringing people closer to Jesus, going out and serving and seeing new leaders come up and step into a calling that God has for their life. And so that's what I mean by a leadership culture. So the question today is, what is the culture shift that has to happen for us 
to accomplish or to live into our vision. I'm a big sports fan. And in sports, there, there is a, there's limited resources in sports. And so if you're following sports, I'm a big basketball fan. I love the NBA. I'm still watching the NBA. I know most people aren't, but I'm still watching it because I love basketball. And, and the NBA has the, the, the Lakers, for one, who are going to be in the championship here this next week. But there's, the other team is like the Golden State Warriors. How many of you know anything about basketball? Okay, so like five of us. Okay, good. So, so I love the Golden State Warriors. I love Steph Curry. I love how they play the game of basketball. But they talk in sports about the fact that you're either in win-now mode or you're building for the future. It's either or. So the Golden State Warriors, for example, are, have, have won three championships. They've got Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and Draymond Green. They've got a great core of players. But because of some injuries and stuff, they also have the number two pick in the draft coming up. And so they've talked a lot about what they want to do is they want to trade that pick because they want to focus on winning now and not worry about the future. A lot of other teams are trading away all their players now trying to get more picks so that they can be better in the future. So in sports, we have limited resources and you have to choose, do we want to win now or do we want to play for the future? When we talk about the forward piece of our vision, I've got some good news for you. In the kingdom of God, we are not dealing with limited resources. We don't have to choose, are we going to invest in right now or are we going to invest in the future? We have a God that's limitless. We have the Holy Spirit at work in us so we can be effective right now and see great days in the church while at the same time investing in the future. And just because we're investing now doesn't mean that the future won't be bright, but we've got to make sure we're intentionally seeking to pass along to those that would come behind us, come after us, our faith, our passion, and the gospel, the God that we serve. And so that's the forward piece of our vision. That's the culture shift. We've got we've to get out of the mode of win now or get what I want now or have a great church now. And we've got to shift to an understanding that we're not just playing for right now, we're playing for the future. Listen, I believe that this church is a, I mean, this is a beautiful sanctuary. We've had great days in this church, great days. But I know that God wants to have many more great days. And I believe that God's best is not behind us, but in front of us. And so we're going to lead toward the future. Today we're going to be looking at 2 Timothy. It's Paul's last letter that we have. It's the last letter that we have that he wrote and he's writing to Timothy. It's his second letter to Timothy. Timothy is Paul's protege. He's his, Paul is Timothy's mentor. And so 2 Timothy is a letter that is once again, as many of Paul's letters are, it was written from prison. And Paul has found himself in the place. He's been a great missionary. He started churches. He's mentored Timothy. He's mentored others. He's been faithful in ministry and he finds himself in prison and it's not looking so good for him. He feels like, I mean, he's pretty sure that the end is near. He can see the end of the road. And so he writes this letter to Timothy, his protege, 
someone that he's poured energy into. That's one thing that I want to make very clear today is this letter isn't just something that a random guy sent Timothy. This isn't Paul's first attempt because he sees the end. Sometimes I think we wait until we see the end to try to pour into the future, but Paul's not doing that. Paul has already written to Timothy. He's already invested in Timothy. He's already poured his leadership, his mentoring. He's already put Timothy in a position of leadership. But this is his, he's seeing the end. And he writes him this last letter with the intent of spurring him on, encouraging him to step into his calling. So we're going to look at the first two, I mean, we're going to look at chapter one and chapter two at just different parts of it and look at what the culture shift is in us in order for us to lead, not just for now, but for the future. We'll start in verse five of chapter one. Paul says, I am reminded, Timothy, of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you. Let me start by, this is important because I want to make the point that it's not just Paul who's pouring into Timothy. Timothy had a great heritage. Timothy had a family. Timothy had a heritage of people modeling and passing down their faith and their gospel to him. He had a grandmother, Lois, his mother, Eunice. Paul wasn't alone, but Timothy was the product of God working through many different people. And I want to start by saying this, having a direction for the church, having a, an initiative to have a leadership culture is great. And if our leadership gets rallied around that, that's great. But listen, this won't happen unless we, as a family, as the body of Christ, come together and work to pour into those that are coming after us, to the future. Yesterday, I had the great privilege of going to Eunice Court's house. Eunice passed away, and her, her funeral is this next Saturday. Eunice Courts was a wonderful, wonderful woman in our church. Wonderful woman. And I had the opportunity to sit and meet with the family yesterday and to talk about the celebration of life service that we're having this next weekend. And I just want to stop and say for a minute, Eunice was a woman that was totally committed to serving others. And not just others, she had a passion to care for and to pour into the young people of our church. They, they said something you hear a lot when, when people pass away and you're talking about who they are and what they, their hobbies were. One thing you hear a lot is that she loved to shop. How many of you love to shop? So they, her family said, Eunice loved to shop. But they said something a little bit different than I usually hear. Most people say they love to shop, but the family said she loved to shop not for herself, but for other people. And in fact, as they started to go through her closets after she passed away, they found a bunch of brand new children's clothing that Eunice had bought for people, for children, for the future of the church. I am so thankful for a woman who committed her life to pouring her faith into future generations. And I got to tell you, we need a lot more of those in our church we need a lot more Eunice courts that care about our young people. We need a lot more Eunice courts that are more busy shopping for our young people than for themselves. We have to surround. This is a family deal. A leadership culture isn't just something that's instituted by 
by the leadership. It's not just something that we do as a pastoral staff or a leadership team. It's something that we as a church family have to jump into together. And our young people need great connection group leaders. And they need great children's workers. And our teens need great youth workers. And they need great mentors. And guess what? That can't all happen by just the church leadership. That comes from you. And so I want to ask you today to see a culture shift in your mind. Maybe you're someone who who you don't have that passion, but I want to ask you how you can invest yourself into the future, into those that are coming behind us in ministry. We need a lot more Eunice's. And I want to take a second and say, listen, if you have a desire to impact future generations, there is plenty of opportunity. Let me, let me ask this. How many of you had Eunice Courts as a teacher or a nursery, nursery worker or a leader? That's <laughs> pretty awesome. You have an opportunity. See, Paul is at the end of his road. He sees the end of the tunnel. And, and Paul, Paul knows his time is coming to an end, but he has spent his life pouring into the kingdom, pouring into Timothy. What an awesome thing it is for a guy to come to the end of the road and know that it doesn't end there, but that he has poured into the kingdom that will go on and on and on. And so Paul writes this to Timothy to encourage him, to have him keep on in his faith. In verse 13, it says, what you heard from me, keep as a pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Listen to this next part. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Listen to me today. We are not just here to have fun. We're not just here to sing songs. We have been entrusted with a good deposit by God, by Paul, by Timothy, by church leaders, by the people that started this church, by the people that came before us. We have a deposit that's been made in us by God. And we have an opportunity, we have an obligation to guard that deposit. We have an obligation to make sure that we're faithful to God's calling. Growing up when I was a teenager, I I had wonderful parents. My parents sacrificed so much for me, not just because, let let me make sure you understand this, my parents didn't sacrifice for me because I was their God, they sacrificed for me because they wanted me to know who God was. And I gotta be honest with you, When I was a teenager, I didn't always understand the significance. I didn't understand the deposit that my parents were making in my life. And I'm convinced sometimes as a church, we don't understand the good deposit that God has made in our life. But Paul says, Timothy, make sure you guard this deposit that God has made in your life. Paul is literally in chains, dying for the gospel. And he says, Timothy... This has been given to you. Guard it. Let the Holy Spirit guard it. Listen, we have the privilege today. Even if you've never been to church before, this is your first time. If you've been to church for 50 years, I want you to understand that God loves you. And the same God that Paul, the same gospel, the same gospel that Paul preached that he sent on to Timothy, that Timothy sent on to others, is with us today. We have been entrusted to carry the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have been entrusted with the kingdom 
We need to guard that with everything we have. What does it mean to guard that? Two things. Number one, it means we've got to be faithful. So my parents poured into me and and I didn't always understand the importance of that, but one of the ways that we're faithful to God's calling, to that good deposit that's been made in us, is that we live faithfully. We do what's right. We worship God. We honor God with our lifestyles. But there's another thing. It's in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse, um, verse 1. It says, you then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you have heard me say in the presences of many witnesses and trust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. So part of the way that we're faithful to the good deposit that God's made in us is we live to worship God. We are faithful to God. But there's another thing, and that's that we become ambassadors for the kingdom. It's not just about showing up and singing songs and being good people. God has entrusted us through the work of many people before with the gospel and with the kingdom. And we're not just called to be good people, we're called to continue to pass that along to others. That what Paul was leaving to Timothy and Timothy left to others and and then those others left to others and there's this long line that brings us to where we are today, we are to invest that further into the future to live for the kingdom. So he says, entrust this gospel, entrust what I've poured into you and to others who will be qualified to teach. Last week, we talked about our responsibility as a church to preach the gospel to the world around us, to live the gospel, to share our faith. That's one responsibility. The other responsibility is that we are entrusted with the responsibility to raise up others who will continue to build the kingdom. Our duty is not just to preach the gospel. Our duty is to pass the gospel to others who will continue to preach the gospel. See, we can't just assume because we preach that that's going to go on and on. We have to be intentional to invest in future leaders. And and so this forward initiative, I don't want to claim that we're something special (laughs) That this forward initiative to, the, to create a leadership culture where we're passing our faith and our passion and the gospel on to others, this isn't something new that we came up with. I, I don't want you to give us too much credit here. This isn't our genius idea. You know where this started? With Jesus Christ, who grabbed 12 disciples and said, walk with me every day. And then he said, go and make disciples. Go and pour what I've poured into you out into others. And then those others will pour out to others. See, Jesus gave us this model of forward thinking. Jesus gave this model of leadership culture. This is something that's been around since the beginning of God's church through Jesus Christ. And so Paul says... Don't just be faithful to live, but be faithful to pass on the deposit that I've made in you. That brings us to a really important question because I think sometimes we get this wrong. What is it that we're called to pass on to future generations? Our vision statement before this, and please don't hear me saying anything negative about this, but our vision statement as a church was passing our passion to every generation, and that's a beautiful vision statement, but I want to make sure that we get something clear. Passing our passion is only effective for the kingdom if our passion is Jesus Christ. 
And way too often in the church, way too often in our lives, our passion becomes things other than the gospel of Jesus Christ and building the kingdom of God. And if that's what we're passing along, we're not being faithful to God's calling to the good deposit that God has entrusted in us. I'm thankful for a church. Listen, I I want you to hear this. I am thankful for a church that loves Jesus and wants to pass our passion of loving Jesus, the gospel of salvation to those that are coming after us. Paul goes on in verse 8, he says, Remember Christ, Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel, for which I'm suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. He goes on and he says, if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. But if we are faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot disown himself. What Paul's saying here is, he says, Timothy, entrust what I have given you, pass that on to others who will then teach and lead. And he says, guard this good deposit. What is it? It's the gospel of Jesus Christ, that Jesus came, died, was resurrected so that we could have salvation and life, but not just us, everyone. And so we have been given this deposit, this gospel, and we need to be faithful by making sure that the gospel that we've been given is what we're passing on to others. See, Paul is writing this in a time where there were a lot of false teachers that were leading the church astray. And there are a lot of different things that you might hear from other places. Listen, our our young people, all of us, we are bombarded by false gospels all around us. We as the people of God are entrusted with the gospel of Jesus Christ that our salvation is only in Jesus, that our hope is only in Jesus. And we need to be passionate about passing that along and building the kingdom. In verse 14, he says, keep reminding God's people of these things. Warn them before God against quarreling about words that is of no value and only ruins those who listen. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Avoid godless chatter because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. Paul says, continue, continue to remind people what's important. Continue to remind people of the gospel. The work that Jesus did, the salvation that Jesus offers for all, continue in those things. Don't get sidetracked. Stephen Covey, an author, said this famous quote, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. The most important thing we do as a people of God is to keep the gospel of Jesus Christ at the center of everything we do, to make sure we don't get sidetracked by other things, because let's be honest, we as a people are pretty good at not getting along and not agreeing on things, right? I mean, I'll I'll bet I could get us into some arguments really quick just by saying a few words. I'm not gonna do it. We gotta keep the main thing the main thing. We got to make sure that what we're focused on, what we're passing more than anything else is the gospel of Jesus Christ and not our preferences 
and not the things that we like and not the way we think things should be done and not the, not the great past that we've had, but that we pass along the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because here's the thing, preferences just don't last, but the gospel lasts forever. Hear that again, preferences don't last. Hairstyles will change, clothing styles will change, decorations will change, music is gonna change, the way we do church will change. I know this is uncomfortable, I know that, I, I know that this is hard, I promise it's hard for me too but preferences don't last. You know what does last? The kingdom of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ. For thousands of years, preferences have changed. For thousands of years, the church has changed. For thousands of years, music and style and hair and dress have changed. But you know what hasn't changed? That Jesus Christ died on a cross and rose from the dead and offers salvation to all who are willing to believe. That doesn't change. We gotta make sure we're passing along the gospel that lasts. We heard from a general superintendent a year or two ago, and he talked about the life cycle of churches and how the typical life cycle of a church is 60 years. The typical life cycle of a church is 60 years. They get to 60 years and the church starts declining. Do you know how old our church is? No, seriously, I'm asking, how old is our church? 62 years old? 60, thank you. I knew you'd come through, Jackie. I, I knew you'd come through. 63 years old. You know what that means? According to the averages or the statistics, it's, this church will start to decline. Unless, unless. See, I don't, I don't believe that that's how God wants things to be. I don't believe that it's God's will that the church declines after 60 years. You know what I think happens? The church gets focused on other things and forgets about their passion to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ more than anything else. And there are churches all over our country that are huge churches that are sitting empty because people got caught up in godless chatter and things that didn't matter. We got to keep the main thing the main thing. And if we will be faithful, listen, I, I don't want you to feel bad about the statistic I gave you because I promise, I promise that God has good things for this church and this church isn't going to look back at the glory days. We need to know that God is at work right now changing lives and God is going to continue to work in great ways. I promise you that if we will continue to be faithful to pass the gospel that, of Jesus Christ that's been given us to others. So how are we going to keep ourselves focused how are we going to make sure we keep the main thing, the main thing? Second Timothy, Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The way we keep the main thing, the main thing, is we keep focused on the gospel of Jesus Christ that we have in the Scriptures given to us by God. We gotta make sure we don't get caught up in preferences that don't last. We've gotta make sure that we're living for the kingdom. And I see a letter that Paul writes to Timothy. He's at the end of his road and the thing that he wants more than anything else is to make sure that the investment he's made, not because he's selfish, not because he thinks he's great, but because God made an investment in him, he wants to make sure that that investment and that the kingdom continue to grow. And so he says, Timothy, keep investing. Keep pouring into others. Keep raising up others that will preach the gospel 
Listen, the culture shift that needs to happen in our church is that every single one of us, not just the pastors, not just the church board, not just the leaders, that every single one of us understands that we're called not just to be faithful today, but that we're called to be faithful for the future of the kingdom, to give everything. What would happen? What would happen if every single one of us had the passion that Paul had for building the kingdom? What would happen if every single one of us had the passion to care for our young people, to invest in our young people, and to make sure that we're not the end of the line? I'll tell you what would happen. God would do incredible things, would continue. I want to make that clear. We'll continue to do incredible things. We're going to close our service by celebrating. One of my favorite things about this church, and and one of the things I think this church gets absolutely right, is that we know that the kingdom of God is not just for people that are exactly like us, not just for people that are our age, not just for people that that look like us, that the kingdom of God is meant to be a family, that God's kingdom is for all ages, for all ethnicities, that God's kingdom is for everyone. We believe that wholeheartedly. And so we pour into our young people. I want to invite you. I want to invite you to see a culture change in your own heart. I want to invite you to lead, to live, not just for today, not just for your own comfort, not just for your own preferences, but to lead every day and to live every day for the building of God's kingdom. I want to pray with us. And after we pray, we're going we're gonna to experience and we're going to celebrate the investment that people have made in our young people. We've got two young people being baptized, and that's the product of God's work in their lives and God's work in their lives through others that invest the gospel. Jesus, we love you today. I thank you for each person that's come here today. I thank you for this family. And Jesus, more than anything, we want to be faithful to you. We want to build your kingdom. We want to invest everything we have. Lord, take my life, take my voice, take my heart, take my mind, take everything, Lord, and use it for your glory, for the building of your kingdom. My prayer today is that each and every single one of us would be able to pray that prayer that we would offer ourselves wholly to you and that we would invest ourselves not just in a great today, but in what you want to do in the coming of your kingdom. We love you, Jesus. We celebrate these baptisms today. We celebrate the investment that many have made. We thank you that we're a part of your family. In Jesus' name, amen.